and welcome to the Who Are You Wearing podcast with me, Akiri Pritchard-McLean. This week, I'm chatting to stand-up comedian, writer, actor and author, Sarah Pascoe. This was such a long chat. She was so generous with her time. I'm amazed that we've managed to get it down to a manageable level um, because me and the producer, Joe, have decided that it is rude to send out a podcast that lasts somewhere between two and three weeks. Now, I love Sarah's style. She was one of the first people I thought to ask to do this podcast, actually, because she's so, um, what's the right word? She's basically just so playful with it. And whenever I see her, she's like a beautiful Hieronymus Bosch painting because I just notice new things I like about her outfit or what she's wearing every single time I look at her. That was meant as a compliment, but here we are. (laughs) It's not sounding like one. This interview was recorded in April 2021. Sarah was at home with her lovely dog Mouse and I was in my cupboard that I grandly call a walk-in wardrobe. There's some absolutely amazing stories that come off the back of our chat about clothes. It goes in all different directions. So please settle down and enjoy this podcast as we ask Sarah Pascoe, who are you wearing? I went on a holiday with my mum and my mum's twin and my granddad and my sisters and we went to Cornwall and I decided I think based on a Timothée advert or something that I'd seen that had a big effect that I wanted to be a fashion model and so on this holiday so the thing that's really ridiculous is I was like washing my hair in streams like in Cornwall (laughs) outside in the freezing cold (laughs) insisting that I had to do it in the meadow and everyone was making fun of me and but I also what I was doing it was tie-dyeing my own clothes with bleach so this was not special stuff and they were not clothes that were so I, like, I had a Batman t-shirt that I cut the sleeves off so this is why I mean I was definitely fashion aware is I knew that you could adapt things or and I love this Batman t-shirt it was my favorite but I cut the sleeves off and I and then I just put it in the bath with loads of bleach and then my mum hated it because it just looked awful it's just orangey because it was a black t-shirt and then my mum what she used to do is I but I didn't know until I moved out of home when I was 18 that washing machines don't eat clothes because my mum if you ever said where's my thing you'd put it out for washing and then she'd go, oh, the washing machine ate it again. And because like, the other thing I used to do was cut holes in jeans, cut holes in clothes. I really wanted to layer clothes. Oh, here's the thing at that time as well. I was wearing leggings with um, cycling shorts over the top with then a skirt over the top. Again, so I didn't have any sense of sophistication, but I did have a sense of trying to create something new or being original. And, and definitely it was, it was performative, as in I thought everyone would look at me and people commented so much. So at primary school... A teacher always used to say to me, because we didn't have school uniform, oh, Sarah's got dressed in the dark again. And I know that sounds like an insult. Like they were making fun of me that it looked like I got dressed in the dark. But I was just like, "Uh uh-huh, that's right. Everyone commented on my outfit. (laughs) (laughs) So so I really, I, I liked that people talked to me about it. And I think I definitely had, that's what I think happens in teenage years. And I've seen it happen with other young people is that you have all of this confidence as a young person which being a teenager just absolutely zaps from you as you go into, I just want to be invisible. No one look at me, no one comment. I'm going to wear exactly what other people wear. Mm. Um, But I was never very good at that. And I'm, I'm glad for it now. But at the time I just hated it. Like when I started my new school, so it would have been 12 at this point, I started a new secondary school and this is awful. I stole 30 pounds from my mum and um, bought some boots that I'd seen in the shop, in the, in the front of a shop. This isn't a shoe shop, by the way, it's a, a, maybe it was right near Romford Market anyway they were big they were black boots but they had massive gold buckles on and I thought they were absolutely 
amazing. And so I stole them and then I hid them in my house. And then as, when I got to, to my second secondary school, I changed outside the school gates, like everyone at this school, because I left my first school because of bullying, <laughs> which I know, which, uh, I, I'm also like not horrible bullying. I was just incredibly unpopular. So I went to this second school and I was like, there's going to be no bullying here because these guys are going to think I'm, whoever I thought was amazing at the time, Gary Barlow. These guys are going to think I'm Gary Barlow. And I put on these boots that my mum didn't know I had and uh, just waltzed into the school. And then by the end of the week, I wasn't wearing them anymore because people had made such fun of them. Um, but, but I did, I looked like Jack and the Beanstalk or something. Like I did have, they were proper like <laughs> giant's boots from fairy tales. <laughs> oh, love you. And so I was really I'm- aware of it, but not good at it. Yeah. So you knew it was a form of expression or it gave you status or you knew what it meant, Mm. but not how to necessarily speak the language. Yes, I think I didn't have, I think there wasn't enough conventionality around me for me to pick up on uh, conventional things. So I picked up a little bit and then it was very much child brain adapting it and going oh I guess those boots in the front of the news agents that's what fashion is <laughs> and my, my, my sister Cheryl and I so Cheryl has it a bit so we we really loved football so non-uniform day at this secondary school we both used to wear full Manchester United football kit and I look back on that now and I so so sweet these two girls that only had each other to play with on like and we obviously played football um but we didn't play with the boys because they didn't want us to, so boys played football and on the same football pitch it was me and my sister with a separate ball and our full Manchester United football kits and then I think I remember when I was in fifth year she was third year she was like can, I, can we not do that anymore because she wasn't having as bad a time like she was pretty people liked Cheryl um, but I, I think of stuff like that and also so here's the other thing like at discos at school they might have like a disco at the end of the year. We used to wear my mum's clothes because we thought my mum was amazing. And so the clothes we used to borrow, it was a gold suit. I don't know why I was so obsessed with gold. It was a full on gold blazer with gold trousers. And again, I walked in there and that for me, I felt like Cinderella. I felt like it was going to be like the end of a movie where everyone like got out of the way and went to the side <laughs> and just clapped me where I danced on my own doing, I don't know, what was, I thought we were dancing at the time, let loose. And um <laughs> And I really thought it was this is going to be the moment they realised I was beautiful. I was brilliant. I was wearing a full gold suit from Next owned by my mother. <laughs> and just couldn't believe that people would make fun of these things. And then even after my experience, Cheryl borrowed the same suit for her disco the next year. Like, absolutely. It just must have been Sarah's dancing or something. I won't need to be picked up early. <laughs> <laughs> I really wish there was... Is there a picture of you in that gold suit? Because I bet it was great. No. It is great. I actually did look on Depop to see if I could get another one. I thought this would be so funny with my family if I just rock up in the gold suit from the olden days. (laughs) (laughs) So it sounds like you had a really strong sense of style as a kid. And I hope hope Hmm. this doesn't come across. I, I mean, this is a compliment. But when I think of your style, I think of it as being there's an element of childlikeness to it. Because what I think with you is... It's like when you're a kid and you when I see kids and I think they look amazing, it's because they put their favorite things on at once and every piece is a statement piece. And that's what I think about your style is it's the kind of thing that people would be like something very plain, but then a very exciting shoe. You have an exciting shoe, an exciting dress, exciting Mm. everything. So is that did that start as I hope that isn't offensive. I mean, it is the greatest. Oh, no, it's of course it's not offensive. Um, 
I when people ever in like interviews ask me to describe my style I do say like nine-year-old with a debit card because that's how I feel because the excitement now and I do buy clothes and I buy a lot of clothes um, and it's the really exciting part of my job actually is I really enjoy getting to buy clothes for work because I buy the stuff that makes me feel so happy because it's tapping into what exactly the same thing would have made me happy when I was a child I, but there was a big gap in between it wasn't continuous my first stand-up jobs on TV I don't know how you felt about it what I felt so awful about was that there were discussions about my outfit and discussions about my shoes and very much at the beginning I would describe it like school I was wearing stuff that I didn't like but that I thought made me look like a comic or like a girl version of a boy or I started um, a stand-up for the week and I'd replaced or was the next one after Andy Osho who's incredibly glamorous very very naturally like Catherine Ryan who started slightly mm. after her there were these women all of a sudden who were looking amazing and you know fashionable in that couture fashion kind of sense mm. on stage and so I was doing like a a River Island version of that. It's like, oh, I will have a blazer or I will have a top. And none of it came from, oh, what makes me so excited? And I think hopefully now for women starting, there's such a range because there's so many more women on TV mm. all looking like, all expressing themselves. Hopefully now they'll know, oh, like Angela Barnes wears flat shoes. Um, like There are people who just go, oh, I have my thing. Whereas at that point, I really was walking on in shoes where I couldn't bend my knees. So I looked like a little giraffe coming on with my River Island blazer. Look, my boyfriend at the time said, can you stop them dressing you like a cruise ship entertainer? And I was like, <laughs> I, I don't think I can. I, I, think, I think women's jobs in stand-up is to look like a pretty flower. And I, don't, I think that's what you're there for. Yeah. Whereas, whereas now it doesn't happen so much. Yeah, well, I'm really lucky in that I, because I have only been doing television for a couple of years and I feel like you and Catherine especially being so present and eclectic has made a big difference even in just terms of this is such a boring thing I don't know if anyone cares to listen but lighting there's only one show mm. I can think of where it's still a problem but it, you know you have to show you have to bring options when you do a tv show mm. and there's loads of like no mesh no secret or they list a load of things that mm. are usually typically only women wear and some programs are so zero tolerance and you think, oh, it's because you only know how to light a shirt and a tie and you don't actually care about making space for people to feel comfortable in who they are yeah. on stage. I, I wish I wish they could show you why they don't do those things. It's so odd. It's not because of light. It's because of cameras. So it's not that they could change the lighting. It's that it doesn't pick up. Like how you can't wear completely white. And then you, and then you, and if you ever see someone testing, I, I quite often watch in makeup, them holding the stuff up that they say no to and then seeing like, oh, it actually is reflective or it would strobe if you move too quickly because the background's too busy. Also, mm. what I hadn't realised, sometimes it's sound, like taffeta, anything rustly. It's not what it looks like. Um, yeah, and being see-through, I once really pushed back on like a, on something on eight out of 10 cats and they showed me, that's what your skin looks like underneath it. You can't see it with the naked eye, but on um, the camera, it looked like I had like blotches of oil, like uh, and it, it was so odd and you go yeah that would be so distracting the whole program like oh she oily is that woman oily <laughs> um but you are but you are right I, but I I do think um pushing back on those things they do get better there are so many elements of television where it's because they've been expecting uh white men that they they're having to they're having to get better but because people have to complain and go hey I they're they're not the norm anymore that's not the mm. default that's what I should say yeah yeah so as a kid, who mm. who dressed you? So you, you thought your mum was the coolest and you and your sister seemed to have something going on, but did was yeah. it all from you? 
well there's the 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 the, the urban law in my family is that from 18 months old I would not take feedback and I got dressed myself my mum said (laughs) I had you as a baby and then 18 months old you were like that's enough mother I'll do this um (laughs) And, the, and, and she said it wasn't worth the row. So this point that I can tell you about, like with Cornwall or the layering of clothes and the get dressed in the dark, my mum found it quite embarrassing because she was a single parent. She thought it looked like neglect, like she hadn't been there, but it just wasn't worth the row. So her thing was, especially when it was just her by him, herself, you go out into the world. That's why she hated the tie dye and the cut stuff and the me trying to look, because she, she, to her, it looked like someone whose clothes were falling apart. And so, and she didn't want people looking and going, oh, they're, they're the Pascos girls. Look at them, Raggedy Ann's. Like, and, and my mum had bought me nice clothes and I bleached them in the bath. <laughs> so, <laughs> um, so, so, uh, so no, it definitely came from, I was very, very influenced by friends. I don't know if you had this where I did have friends as a teenager who had more money. So Hayley, who I mentioned earlier, her dad used to give her 20 quid on a Saturday. We'd walk to, he worked at a car dealership. We'd walk down, she'd get 20 quid. And at Romford Market, I'm sorry, you could buy like eight things for, for 20 quid. Um, mm. You could buy wedges for three pounds. You could buy shoes for under a fiver at Romford Market at that point in the in the 90s. Um so I was, I was always very influenced and borrowed a lot of clothes from whoever my best friend at the time was. Um, so it's not that I've never been really influenced by people. And I still am now. I'm w- With Instagram, I've been off it for about five months and I've come back on it recently and I've realised, oh, that's why I like it. Because I literally go, that's a nice top. Where can you get that top? As in, I click on it. I don't ask people because I find it so annoying personally. Where do they get that top? Oh, great. I'm going to buy that top. Like, Because like, at school, did you have the thing where um, if your friend had it, you weren't allowed to buy it? And you'd fall yes. out with someone if they got the same thing in Topshop or they copied you, copycat. Yeah, that was such a no-no that I love now that it's the complete opposite way where people are all the time like, where'd you get your shoes? Where'd you get your cloak? Where'd you get your, where'd you get your dog? Where'd you get that book from? Where'd you get that bag? <laughs> and also, so weird. I did a documentary and in Georgia, there was like these singers, that, like pre-Soviet, this tradition is. And then people said to me, where do those singers get those velvet outfits from? And it's like, well, they get them from Georgia <laughs> hundreds of years ago because it's a tradition. Like, you ask, and um, then the other day, someone had made me a dog, dog costume on eight out of 10 cats. And I had a man trying to buy it for his wife. And it's like, they don't exist. It looks like my dog. <laughs> like, but he was like, my wife fell in love with that dog outfit. Where can you get them? That, that, I don't believe that. That's like the people who are like, show us your feet. Do you know what I mean? There's something mm. else. He he was specifically wants the costume that you wore as a dog. That's what's going on. Oh, there. really? Oh, he seemed very disappointed when I said he couldn't buy one in a shop. So I I kind of believe it. Um, oh God, those people who are just like, do you get the ones that want you to tickle yourself or tell them that <laughs> when you've been the naughtiest girl? <laughs> and it's like this is so blatant. Like this not in any way feels like a genuine concern of someone who's interested in my work. <laughs> They've read Animal and they've read I'm Gone. Do you know what? I think she really needs to cheer herself up with some tickles. Yes. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) So what an interesting situation for your mum to be in, to be like having this independent, expressive kid who you know because of how conventional the people are they're not going to see that they're going to see mm. there's a negligent mother so did she ever put you in stuff that you hated was there an item of clothing that you hated wearing i, I think my mum didn't have any input at all um it's just that 
she didn't want us to ruin things or to be actually when I was at when I was doing art at school so I would have been like 14 I thought the coolest thing was to have like bits of acrylic paint on your blazer because it just looked like and I did sometimes I went through a phase of staying in the art room at lunchtime and the people who were really good at art always had just little bits of paint where they'd lent on it or put their blazer back on at the end and that's the kind of thing that drove my mum crazy um because she was like, those blazers are so expensive and they're supposed to last you three years because you don't grow out of them. And it was the looking uncared for rather than like the items of clothing mm, themselves. Because okay. I don't remember her being that involved. I think we got to choose everything ourselves. Oh, off-brand school uniform is something that made me very sad. But the problem is with school uniforms is that there's a certain place that's like we had like a green blazer and skirt and you can go to a supermarket and get those things cheaper and then you have a slightly different color to everyone else or it feels like everyone else at your school so we were those kids yeah unless we were playing for manchester united (laughs) (laughs) i went to um obviously extreme privilege but i got sent to private school where the supplies are even more expensive and mm. I remember mum made me a summer dress and yeah. all the other summer dresses had pointed collars and this had a round collar and I remember being like politely interrogated by children in the playground and go why is your cut and you know exactly why because your mum can't mm. afford to buy the dress but yeah. you just have to be like oh, I remember being like it's a special mm. one and they said that only I get to work you know like trying to rebrand yes. it because I was so ashamed I knew like this is a visible sign I don't have the money that these people have it feels very visible and actually that's what I, I really don't think I'd care in the same way now but at the time it feels so important to just to not branded trainers was a thing because my school had a uniform and they always said it's so that you can't see the difference in the disparity in wealth because um, this part of Essex actually has some very, very wealthy people and it's a really good school alongside some other people who weren't. And they, that's why they always argued about the uniform. But trainers made you see, oh, that's so that's where people looked as they looked at shoes and anyone who had, you know, matchsticks or supermarket plimsolls. But the trainers were so expensive. I mean, yeah. you know, nearly £100 or at 60 or £70. So it was unreasonable. Also, by the way, private school is an extreme privilege. Prince William is extreme privilege. I think you're being too hard on yourself. I think it's just privilege. I think it's okay. <laughs> um, I was just trying to make it like a, a then it's close to a sport that I could say that I did. <laughs> oh, I see. Yeah, extreme privilege. Extreme privilege. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, the, when our school as well, the bag, the plastic bag that you used to take your PE kit in, that was the status thing, whether oh. it was a little bag or an Aldi bag, or a Tesco bag. So you turn it inside out. Um, People had shoe bags. This is how big trainers were as a currency. People had shoe bags from the shoe shop they'd bought their trainers in. So they're like they're like rucksacks with string. Did you not have these? Yeah, so yeah, that's what yeah, people yeah. had as their PE bag. And then and then it was either if you did have you know a Reebok one or a Nike one, or if it was JD Sports, they were all acceptable. At my school, a, a carrier bag wouldn't have been acceptable, although people would have had them, and it would have been the blue and white newsagent bags. Oh. They're the ones, yeah. <laughs> the one that you get four cans yeah. in, yeah. And mm. <laughs> um, so, did you have a favourite item of clothing or an outfit that you just never wanted to take off? I'd say the Manchester United kit was up there, just for feeling brilliant in something and thinking I looked brilliant in it. And at that time, I loved Manchester United so much. So that was that was when I was fifteen, sixteen. And that's when they did the the treble. So it was just such a big year to be into <laughs> a football team. Um, 
with the certain players. Um, I'm trying to think if there was anything else. I think everything was very short-lived. Oh, when I went clubbing, so I had an outfit that was completely Romford Market. So I had a bra that was actually a bikini top that was padded. So it's so, but it was so so padded that I thought if a man squeezed your boobs, it felt like boob. And <laughs> do you know what? No one ever complained. And I would say to my friend Haley. If they tip me up, actually they haven't because they're just feeling my bikini. <laughs> so <laughs> I had this bikini top and I would wear a purple vest from Bay Trading over the top. And then on the bottom I had um, a skirt that was like fake python. So it's brown, but it's reflective. And and the reason I like this skirt, and this is how this is dark. Um, I used to sweat a lot inside it. So I thought I was losing weight while I was in the club and, um, and, and some brown wedges. So, I mean, now doesn't that sound grotesque? But I went out. <laughs> And felt brilliant. And um, when I was 16, I got spotted in a club. This is um, something I remembered the other day. My friend Hayley was a dancer, unlike me. But this woman, who must have been really drunk, came over and said that she was releasing a song and she needed a dancer. So, um, And she paid me £100. So what happened is I went round her house. She did have a disco song coming out. And, the, and that, so the gig I did, I went, I did a, a gig in... Um, uh, for the pink festival in Soho we drove to London from Mumford I didn't know the dance moves we wore fake fur I signed autographs um we then did this gig and then the second one was at the limelight uh, uh with the drag spice girls that's who we shared a dressing room so it was all incredible right and then this woman was supposed to then go on um the national lottery live show and then release her song which was going to be like a clubbing song in discos and then and also my, my job was done I was only there for that day but then princess Diana died and Elton John got her slot and so, so, her, so it never came to anything, that song. And I remember this the other day, that like, I cannot believe, this is how feral I was, that no one uh, like said, oh, you can't go to London with this stranger. Yeah. But also Hayley was so upset because she was an actual dancer. But I was wearing that outfit when she came over and I think that was part of it, is that I just looked and I looked and felt, I felt so good, so I looked good and she thought, okay, she can dance behind me. Yeah. Like, she looks sweaty enough to go on tour with me to mm. Soho. <laughs> yeah. Um, what an amazing story oh Mm. my god it's so that's incredible Um, so is there any trend that happened when you were younger that is just not for you have you ever tried to pull it off since as well like whatever happens Um, I'll never be able to wear a halter neck it just is not I hold it well you've got boobs so I can hold it I can't belly top my belly button there I, and I admire it so much women of all ages and actually on all shapes as well but it's something about me that it makes me feel like I haven't finished getting dressed rather than <laughs> I've that's what I'm doing today um belly tops I'm not very good with heels I mean I love them and I love how being taller and how legs look with heels on but I walk in them so terribly yeah I think mainly belly tops yeah it's um Oh God, yeah. I, I. This is a weird thing. I'm like, God, I could never wear a belly top. But I've definitely seen women bigger than me, and I've in a mm. belly top, and I thought they looked absolutely amazing. Exactly. So, yeah. It's just the the prison in here, isn't it? <laughs> yeah. I think I think I think we've told ourselves stuff so many times, or it has been said to us by our parents or family members, all of those kind of things. That by the time you get to a point where you're choosing what to wear, there's stuff that feels. Um, so second nature you can't hear it as external criticism because it's it's already in there so deep Mm. yeah Mm. when you were a teenager what were the big trends did you indulge in any of them i don't know if i even noticed them that's the thing is it wouldn't have occurred to me i wouldn't have ever read a fashion magazine 
And if someone had said, like, so the idea of something being on trend or this season, I don't even know that's a thing now because I've got more money and because of things like Instagram and then people will go like, oh, last season. And you go like, what do you mean last seasons? And because they do it at the wrong time. So it's like last season was autumn. Oh no, last season was winter. Is that what you mean? It's like, they don't mean winter. They mean spring. Of la- <laughs> oh, anyway, whatever, whatever they mean. Um, I think tartan was a thing. So I would normally have like a Bay Trading version or a Romford Market version of things that probably were in fashion, but without knowing that's what it was. Mm. Yeah, yeah, same. Shangavani Market was where I went. So uh, my sort of fashion was, you know, those big baggy parachute pants with bits hanging off them. You know, like strips of material. Uh, did they? Okay, yeah. so I don't know this. We used to, I have remembered one trend, silk shirts. So you, you'd be too young to remember this. This was like a going down the fair outfit, black leggings. And that, no matter what colour it was, like a silky shirt, collared button up. Oh, is it a bright coloured oh. satin one? Yes, yes, yes. So I said silk. It's obviously not silk, is it? Yeah, satin, like a, like a, a lime green kind of thing or orange. Yeah. And then that same year, there was a black fabric that had like big orange sunflowers on it. And people would have all different shapes of outfits in that. So yes. that would have been, yeah, around that Live time. Live and kicking presenters, I think, had a, a, those in their wheelhouse. I think I remember seeing presenters. Oh, did they? Yeah. Yeah. Um, it's mad, isn't it? Because that stuff was just everywhere. That's going to come back in again, the whole satin shirt thing. That's I think I think it already is. I think the minute um, Carrie had, when, the choke, when those little plastic chokers came back, she was like, oh, okay, we're actually going to dump, we're not going to take the good bits. They're actually going to, <laughs> they're going to scrape the barrel just like we did then. Um, <laughs> the shape of jeans, I think those shirts can still be bought. I think that they are back again. Just haven't taken off. Um, leggings with lace at the bottom. That for me, that is so evocative of that time. Black leggings with lace at the bottom. Everyone had at least one pair. <laughs> did you um, did you have a rebellious phase as a teenager, and did it show in in what you wore? Um, I don't know if I had a rebellious phase, and I don't. Yeah, so I would look at people like um, oh, goths and punks and things. Because obviously. At about 13 or 14, some people diverged and split. And my dad, he's very judgy, he was like, if you're going to rebel, don't conform to a different thing. That's not actually how he talks at all. <laughs> um, but that was the tone of what he meant. And so he thought that being a goth or uh, uh, he, he thought adapting to another, adapting to a subculture visibly was a sign of not being original. So I would, ne- I would have been far too scared to, to go like, oh, by the way, I've got black hair now, dad. <laughs> 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 and and a nose ring because that that to him was hiding behind something rather than expressing something. Wow! Um, but I, I always thought people who did that was, were very brave. I was always very impressed by people who did it. That's so interesting. That it feels like you're that that spirit, and it is something. That's a really bold, cool thing to say to a young person about like. Don't yeah. be part of any of it. Just build your own mm. thing. And it sounds like you were doing it. Well, unfortunately, my dad's a jazz dad. So my dad's <laughs> a jazz musician. So his opinion is completely jazz. Like, we don't need an outfit. Just play the music, guys. Fielding, so I didn't watch The Mighty Boosh until I'd left university, and I'd been recommended it a few times. And um, when I watched it, Noel's fashion 
to me was very original because I don't know his reference points for his fashion which obviously are kind of from music and 70s culture and things and then he once said I think it was in an episode but he talked about soft and bright colors and soft fabrics and I thought oh my god there is a whole world out there of enjoying clothes which isn't following fashion and it was really big for me to go oh I you can just like nice colors and things that feel good and that's nothing to do with looking at skinny women wearing clothes which I'd always associated as like oh it's either you had to be fashionable and skinny and that was the only option or you or you would say I don't care what I wear don't look at me and then I realized Mm -hmm. this is other place of happiness it's so interesting, isn't it? It's so. Yeah. It, it, you're so right. That's exactly how I feel about it. But I've been, I think, late to the party. Because mm. we're not brought up to think that we thought like fashion is something that you either suit the fashion or you hide your body away and you don't your body you don't let your body have the conversation that it's failed at being mm. you know a fashionable yeah. person or a woman or whatever um yeah and then it's isn't it so interesting because also watching RuPaul really helped me in that mm. I think sometimes men are better at teaching women how to be women and well, take up space well absolutely I think not just you I think so many people because what it showed was that femininity is a construct so if you've always felt that it wasn't right for you that's because it's an unnatural artifice so having people doing that artifice brilliantly it doesn't matter what their identified gender is or if they have one at all what matters is it's a thing you can put on if you enjoy putting things on (laughs) and if you don't you don't have to put it on is so and and that is so groundbreaking it took people taking it to the extreme to make you realize oh I see. I do scruffy realness. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, so thinking about your like current style now, what age do you think your style as it is started showing, or did it disappear mm. at times and then come back? In terms of now, and obviously, like with everyone, it still mutates and and kind of goes round and round. But I think, I think at some point in the last sort of nine or ten years after I started stand-up what fused together is the kind of things I loved when I was a child things that to go back to that Noel Fielding quote that were bright colors or felt nice and so that there was a joy or happiness or pleasure pleasure in clothes that way and then also knowing that I'm I've got um, I'm not now for a long long time like lots of people I was renting I was always moving in bin bags in taxis so it wasn't good to have a lot of clothes whereas now I've got wardrobes and I know I'll keep these things forever um so I treat myself to nice things that are probably much more expensive than if you'd asked me five or ten years ago, like, oh, do you ever spend two hundred pounds on a dress? I'd have gone, mm. absolutely not. And people who do should go to prison. It would have yeah. been my hard opinion then. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's interesting, isn't it? Because that's like, um, I think it was you used the phrase "newly wealthy" to me, and I, 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 that mm. resonated so much in terms of having disposable income for the first time. Mm. That I can remember since I first got a job and was like, I've got 15 quid, I'm rich. Um, yeah. And it does change things, doesn't it? Once you get past the initial, at first it was all about acu- acquisition for me. So like lots of stuff from ASOS. And then I was like, mm. oh, that doesn't feel great. And it's obviously not good for the world. And now it's like, I try and think more about the stuff that I'm buying. And I'm like, do yeah. I want to show my kid this and go, you can have this in 30 years and know it'll still be great. Yeah. I worry that because of the, I, th- I think what I have is because of the the fact that there are really ethical ways of buying clothes. And what I would say is, you know, organic fabrics that aren't p- poisonous and toxic and uh, small businesses 
uh, independent businesses that are in the main, you know, owned by women or black owned businesses. The trouble is when I see them, I'm like, yeah, I can buy as much as I want from there. And there's loads of them now, which is amazing. But I actually know I'm buying far more clothes than I can wear. So I do still think I'm in an un- unhealthy place where the excitement, the, especially this year, that what I should have had is no one is going to see me wearing anything. I can take a year off shopping rather than it's my only thing waiting for the postman. Like it's Christmas going, when will it come? And when it comes going, now I can buy something else. Because um, <laughs> I think, yeah, if I tell you my grandchildren, like you can have all of this <laughs> when I die. And they'll be like, you're thousands and thousands of things you've never worn. <laughs> Yeah, it is. Um, I've I did over the pandemic bought lots more since I've been buying less, lots more mm. than I normally would. Yeah. But I think it's because there was like, I do feel it's really shallow, but like clothes do give me a joy, a real sense of joy. Yeah. And the first time you get to wear it, whether it's to do like a Zoom gig or whatever, like I feel mm. lovely, and I'll make my boyfriend take a picture of me in it so I can look at it another time. And um, so I, it just was one of the few ways to break the monotony and also give me some joy. Do you feel joy from yes. those? Uh, yeah, I, I get a real a dopamine rush of arrival and acquisition. And I, so I think it, I get three. I get the hit of buying it online because I don't ever shopping shops. And so buying it online, then it arriving, and then maybe a third time where, but the, where just owning it, it feels like a library or something where you get to look at your things Um I guess I just I feel mixed emotions about that I have it but in a forgiving way and I'll say this to anyone listening as well who's similar it's like there were so few places to be able to be in control of p- pleasure and if spending was one of them then it's it's okay it is it is okay like with anything like we just had to we just had to self-soothe when we could mm. yeah yeah totally when you um you know we say shopping you do, you only do it online obviously the pandemic has forced yeah. your hands slightly but prior to that what mm. is your relationship with shopping do you in, enjoy it do you only do it online or no I, no because I know I was I was never I didn't ever enjoy the going around the shops thing one of the worst auditions I ever had when I first signed with my agent was for um and I now see what I did but it was with Armstrong and Miller to be in their sketch group and um, I would have just signed with Dawn. And so it was so like exciting to have a TV audition. And I went in and it's Armstrong and Miller, who are these very successful men. And they said, okay, let's um, do the first sketch. And I'd memorize all the sketches. And they went, this first one, character notes. You know how women love to shop? And um, unfortunately, my little hackles, I mean, I've got so much better now at slagging people off afterwards rather than thinking, well, viva la revolution, baby. So um, <laughs> they said, you know, how women, you know how women like to shop? And I said, some women, some women like to shop. And then they didn't know what I'd just done back. And they were like, sorry, excuse me. I was like, you just said all women like to shop. I'm a woman. I don't like to shop. Should we do the sketch? Like I, I was so, and I, and then, and then the, just the mood in the room went awful. And it was an awful audition where they clearly weren't going to work with me, but we had to go through all of the sketches and I'd told them off and then thought, oh no, they, they don't like me now, but they were the ones who were horribly sexist. <laughs> but I, I thought I was helping them out because why would you assume that shopping's fun? It's like going, you know how women love to golf? Or you know how women have to, and you think, <laughs> I don't, I don't like it at all. Why would you say something so ridiculous? Um, I never found it pleasurable, but I lo- that's because of the looking at yourself. I think uh, the changing room thing is so horrible. And the I find walking around a shop depressing. Like, oh, I don't think, oh my God, look at all these possibilities for me. I go, oh, all of these things that I can't or shouldn't or, and when I say can't, again, that's, absorbed rather than they, they do come in my size um and then again fashions and trends that 
wouldn't suit me or I would think would accentuate you know negative parts of myself so I think that's what I always thought shopping was until the internet where you only see it in your you I know you watch look at on a model and again things are getting much better at having models of all different shapes and sizes but I'd I prefer it not having to try it on kind of knowing you can check measurements you know that it's this and then it's just yours and it's yours in your house and by the time it arrives you're not trying something on going oh what does this make me look like you go this is my jumper this these are my trousers yeah oh it's yeah I I do think online shopping has changed obviously there's the the bigger conversation about the high street and things like that but it has alleviated a lot of anxiety that automatically goes with shopping for so many people for so many reasons Mm. I think that as well in terms of um you know like it's normal to shop online now whereas maybe 15 years ago if you're shopping online it was because it was specialist so it was because yeah. you were a transvestite and you needed a size 14 mm. high heel or you know yeah. or you're plus size and you know you could or, or you know like people are very tall and they could only get stuff from america and um, whereas now it's it's been democratized so hopefully mm. there's less stigma and and it means more choice and people are able to find stuff that makes them feel like them as well um, yeah I don't know why I just gave that speech I'm sorry um. <laughs> um I think I know it's important to remember those things isn't it because you're absolutely right there were people who felt like they weren't served and when you say the high street like I think big shops especially when people now know how the clothes are made and the staff are treated places like Topshop and everything it's not sad to lose those um I guess yeah independent shops and all of those things but maybe they will always afford a shop front so people can go and try on there seems to be a model of that of having one or two shops that people could go into and then you do and then you do all your selling online as well Mm. um do you when you're getting ready do you think of like do you think of makeup and hair as part of your outfit i don't wear i'm trying to think if i was going out no i wouldn't think of them as part of my outfit but i obviously would put some makeup on and do something with my hair but that would be that's my uh my cherry on the top rather than part of the cake Mm. I would say so yeah when you said that thing about eye color I don't think I have any eyeshadows I'm so basic with my own makeup and it's because I'm not good at it so if I do also I actually this is where it's interesting with drag so I look so much like my dad that when I started to wear makeup I looked like my dad in drag (laughs) and um and 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 that's why I never I never went over the top because the more I put on the more I looked like my dad had put on <laughs> oddly and um and so I always stayed very I was never good at it and I'm always if I do put stuff on it will just smudge so quickly that you know that thing where you've gone out and you feel like a million dollars and then you go to the toilets after you've had two glasses of wine and you see this girl <laughs> who looks like she's been crying for hours and and yeah and then you think why did no one tell me I was having such a nice time <laughs> lipstick on my teeth and globules of eyeliner hanging out yeah, yeah when they go like when it, it goes under there and I yeah so many in the creases my, yeah yeah to my partner I was like, why did you let me... We took a photo 10 minutes ago. Why didn't you say anything? And he's like, oh, I didn't notice. And I'm like, you didn't notice this? Like, what, mm. what are you on about? <laughs> um, what is your oldest item of clothing that you've had a really long time and you still love? Is there anything in your life you've held on to like that? No. I, it's, I give lots of stuff to the charity shop. And um, I think before the, 
the phrase spark joy I think I always had that attitude to things of I think I maybe there was um so one of my aunties actually one of my dad's sisters is a a stylist and dresser but not a stylist what would she be it's more like a coach so she's a coach where she does people's colors and you go shopping with her and you would do your seasons you would change winter to summer put stuff away and um so she's the kind of person who would say if you haven't worn it in two years like give it to the charity shop someone's gonna love it but you never come so I actually think a lot of the time I spend looking for things going did I give that away did I give that away and it's like I always I must have done unless someone's stealing just lots of yeah I don't think I've got anything old at all wow because I know you I'm not loyal I'm not loyal that's really interesting because yeah I thought you would be maybe like a hoarder that holds on to bits no. but it's no unless I think I'm going to wear it in the future I don't I do have some stuff in a bag in the loft which I've worn on tv that I probably won't wear again but I don't want to throw away so I wore a dress on Nevermind the Buzzcocks the first time I did Nevermind the Buzzcocks and I really 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 wanted to do that program and also of course with Noel Fielding who was the team (laughs) captain and I felt so brilliant in it and it was I was I think it cost 90 or 100 pounds it was Henry Holland and so it was the first time I'd spent that amount on clothing ever and it was in I must have seen it on Urban Outfitters on the stairs and I just I couldn't believe how brilliant this dress was and then the feedback afterwards from the internet because that's actually something we should touch on is um people who are mean but um <laughs> uh, a bit like bullying at school people were like is Sarah Pascal wearing a scuba diving outfit why is she in a wetsuit and I, it just hadn't occurred to me that it because it was and because they could only see the top but yeah it was just it was long sleeved and tight and maybe I like her but it, I hadn't realized oh yeah it looks like a wetsuit <laughs> I just loved it so much. I've, I kept it because I thought I can't give that to the charity shop because that feels very important. But yeah, most yeah. stuff just goes to the charity shop. Yeah. yeah. I think you donate to a place I do as well, a Salvage Project, oh, yeah. which is yes, brilliant. Yeah. It's, a, it's a girl uh, it basically in her back bedroom who... Um, sells clothes it's like an online charity shop on instagram mm. and yes sells clothes um and ashling sends her stuff there and you send her stuff there yes, and, I, yeah. and i send stuff um and because i used to buy vintage clothes from charity shops and sell them as well mm. like um, but as a result i have bags and bags and boxes of stuff i'll never do anything with so i'm getting sending all my vintage stuff to her and um she she's so great because it is just one girl in a bedroom there's no overheads so it, or she just gets yeah. a big lump of money and then also she's great of being across in, in particular for refugees yeah really She's small like, charities yeah small charities that like they are in immediate need of something because there's been this cold weather front and they are giving they're buying stuff for babies that need it so she's she's mm. great i recommend everyone checks her out i well, the other thing i really love about her is that especially like selling tv stuff i was like oh what's she gonna sell stuff for and actually she sold it for so much cheap stuff that i'd paid a lot of you know a hundred pounds let's say she was selling for 30 pounds and what I loved about that was it was just luck if someone happens to be the same size and wanted it they didn't have to be rich someone could afford that and it had only been worn once or twice and um and I really loved that about her as well because other people would have even like put stuff on eBay and tried Mm -hmm. to get the most that they could it is all going to charity it's going to charity but also she's rehoming clothes to a happy affordable place as well that they're going to get worn so all around it's brilliant yeah absolutely do you is that something you're when you're picking stuff for telly do you just pick what you want like what makes you happiest or other than how things look on camera are there other things you know like like something I've become aware of I was like Mm. right because normally I have loads of cleavage out just always yeah but I've noticed I get 
comments that I don't necessarily want. So mm. I've started to wear stuff that's higher or doesn't show that because I just don't want... It means that some people think I'm consenting to have a sexual conversation that I haven't consented to. Yes. Yeah. Um, I... I think what happened is I got more confident with things that what I realized was that people were going to write horrible things, whatever. And so me trying to please them, what I then realized eventually was I, I didn't like, I didn't like what I'd worn either. Or if they said a mean thing, I'd go, Oh, I really thought I was just trying to have something that was non-commentable. Whereas now I wear things where I really like them and I don't look at comments. But if I did, I would then go, well, I really liked it. As in, you don't have the same taste as me. Yeah. I probably don't like your trousers. Um, <laughs> do, do I, Alan? Um, what else do I think of? I think a lot now it is TV stuff. I do know what necks you can't wear to be mic'd up. Well, the great thing about documentaries is because the mic's under the clothes, you can wear stuff that you bought for TV and then couldn't wear. Ah. So that's quite useful sometimes. <laughs> it's going, oh, oh, great. I can just save that for something else. Um, I still sometimes will get stuff wrong thinking it won't strobe or it won't be see-through and it is. So you do make mistakes with it. But do I think about? I I don't have a, I don't have big boobs, so one it wouldn't occur to me to be cleavagey, and then yeah, I, I and I also wouldn't think oh that's too low cut. But actually, maybe it was already in there. I wouldn't wear something that was low cut anyway. When you're doing different jobs, so like when you're doing guessable, you're like, or, or mm. the or the lectures, like you are mm. you are the boss. It's your show. So would you dress differently for that than you would to pop up on something like QI or? or or to do live at the Apollo where you're oh. moving around a stage. Do, do you I, think would, I, I, I would say, yes, absolutely. There's a difference between if you're going to stand up in it, can you walk around in it, different angles. I don't think the boss thing with both guessable and comedians giving lectures, there's more discussion as in you bring in more options and people choose out of your options every day. So you don't get to choose. But some of my favourite stuff I didn't get to wear um, sometimes. I, I do. It's more like planning for a party. Like if you were going to go to your friend's birthdays in a Weatherspoons on a Monday, you, would, you wouldn't wear the same stuff that you would wear if you were going like clubbing somewhere on a Friday night. And that's what I would say the difference between um, like QI, which I think that's a polite dinner party. I mean, of course <laughs> you can look lovely at your polite dinner party, but it would be weird if you turned up in a bikini, say, or um, something like that and stand up especially if you're buying a new thing for a stand-up show, the worst thing you could be is in your head going, oh God, I feel terrible. Um, Catherine Ryan's Apollo, which is one of the most um, watched and the most brilliant, it's the routine, her first one where she did um, the routine about Beyonce. She couldn't wear the outfit she turned up with and someone had to go to Westfield to buy her that dress and those, and those shoes. Um, I'm telling someone else's story, so I'm, just, I'm probably misremembering and she would obviously correct me on this, but that wasn't what she was planning to wear. So her thing before was like, oh God, I've got to wear this. And then, and you can see if you see the routine, she's being absolutely amazing, but you've never seen her wear anything like that before or since. Yeah, because I wouldn't have put her in dark colours ever. No. And and because the, the, I know the one, it's it's like a navy and mm. it kicks out. It's like a, it's almost skatery cut. And it's, then it's, it's grey. Well. Yeah. It's like a pin. It's a pinafore dress That's with it. flat black shoes, which yeah. she she just wouldn't wear. Yeah. That's so interesting. Uh, Rachel Paris had it, didn't she, for Apollo, that she turned up and they were like, yeah. no. And I was thinking, because I kept pushing and pushing and pushing my mm. agent to get them to confirm what I wanted to wear because I was like, yeah. I'm not Rachel Paris. You can't just go to Topshop and pick mm. something out and know I'm going to fit in it. Yeah. I will... I, yeah. And I will be beside my. I won't be able to think. I'll be because I could. You control what you can, and controlling how mm. I look, whether people like it or not, it's how I want myself to be seen. Um. Yeah. Oh God. Ooh. 
I know and that's it and the politeness because especially when um work things and this would happen in all all all, uh, lines of work not just stand-up but with work things when they feel very important what you're wearing is also can't be distracting to you or to other people or yeah inside your head thinking oh everyone's looking at that or thinking that just makes you worse worse at your job Mm. so it is it's very interconnected and also the boys do have to fight as well I have to say like so people like Rod Gilbert who want to wear wanted to wear jeans were told you can't you wear a suit on Live at the Apollo this is the point where it was it was suits and he was like but I I don't ever wear a suit I can't just suddenly wear a suit for my first he said it doesn't fit with my material it isn't it's not who I am but I remember he had to really fight to look like a normal person because that's how he looked Mm. on stage and then by the time he gets people like Russell Howard wearing white t-shirts and jeans it's like that, that was the thing is that you could be you could be a stadium comic and not look like a stadium comic had always been expected to in that you know Steve Martin or um, Michael McIntyre that outfit wasn't just mm. all comics which I think is why maybe with women and more women expressing themselves on stage maybe that is why it's, it's, it's been tentative because there wasn't just a okay this is how female comedians dress yeah totally is there is there an era in time that you would love to be in just for the clothes alone? Is there like, oh, yes, I love the fashion from this time? I don't care about bodices. <laughs> I tell you what I do like, actually, it's because I've got a big bum myself, is I do like the bustles, the whole putting on an extra bum over your <laughs> bum and everyone being like so attractive. Um, I'd, I do quite like that. Um I, I think all of the ones that people get romantic about that are very old, like the fact that people didn't wear pants, so they could just squat and have a piss in those big skirts. Like I am intrigued by it, but I also do think it's really gross. <laughs> just And your skirt dragging around in Elizabethan London with all the disgusting stuff on the floor. What did they wear in ancient Egypt? I feel like Cleopatra we have, wouldn't really have sat around in gold bikinis, would she? No, no I think that's, that's a, a modern slight... idea. Yeah, I think that's bastardized mm. version. Of of how she, how she would have dressed. Well, what about things like fifties, so full skirts, or like sixties, sort of like the big eyeliner and the. Oh, I like flappers. Actually, I do like the flappers. The kind of the the very flirty, naughty element of showing that through the length of your skirt and the that you were going to dance and drink champagne and like probably do a bit of cocaine <laughs> and inspire some poetry. I I, I th- once once um yeah. Oh, sorry, my dog's poor dog's coughing. Hello, Bob, are you okay? Um, the, once those outfits were kind of just, I knew what they were expressing. I was very into that as a fashion choice. Mm. Well, because that's the weird thing is that I just thought, you know, when you think of like 1950s and it's, you know, little waist and a big skirt, but that was the Dior New Deal. And the history is that basically after the war, they were like, we're not on Russians anymore. Let's make everything big and really mm. feminine because you've all been in the land army. And it's so, it, you just see a dress that is a certain shape, but the, the historical moments that lead it to there, the same with yes. flappers, the historical yeah. social choices. That's it, what it's rebelling against. That At each point, it's rebelling against the thing that's come before. It's going, let's not conform. Let's do this instead, or let's celebrate this instead. Um yeah, it's really great. Um, I do. I really, really love women in suits. I really love like masculinized. You know how I'd say like Janelle Monae epitomizes it. I just think that's the most beautiful a woman can look. Actually, <laughs> like much more beautiful than dresses is a woman who can look amazing in a tux with yeah. brogues. 
Oh God, Janelle Monet is so good at that, and you—it's on the cover yeah. of your book as well. Your, um, mm. I'll get that. And, and a tour. I've done it. I've, I've done it a couple of times, and I've realised. Oh, that's what it is. Is partly because actually that's what I associate with. Boss is a feminine version of. Basically, you take it and you go. I'm very much a lady, but I'm wearing what used to be considered masculine or male uniform. Maybe that's what I read in those women. Maybe that's why I've connected it to the rebellion. Um, I'm sh- sometimes people do it at award ceremonies. Oh, I tell you who else did it really, really well. Um, have you seen the film? I can't remember this actress's name. She was in Gossip Girl, and then she was in a film with Anna Kendrick. Blair, no, she got blonde hair. Do you know who I mean? I'm afraid I don't. Oh Sorry. man, I've just described this so badly. So it's it's a comedy film, but it's got, got like a murder in it. There's a twist. Do you know this one? It was really good. It's um, Blake Lively. It's a simple favor. Blake Lively in this film has the most, like Janelle Monet, but it's, um, have a look, have a look at some of the outfits. Oh, what, is it white? Is it white? Oh my God. Oh my God, that's amazing. Yes, yeah. Yeah, it's it's wow. breathtaking. She is breathtaking in these outfits um, because she's sort of, she's working. So it's all kind of, she goes to work in these things and comes home and makes herself incredibly strong martinis. And it's so aspirational. <gasps> Do you, have you seen Diane Keaton? Obviously, we have to talk about Woody Allen briefly. But yes, yeah. Diane mm. Keaton had that look absolutely yes. nailed as well. That's you're right. That's that, that's a very that's a and that's the thing when people love his work. Not to dismiss all of the other things about it, but that's something I think that people really do latch on to is women dressing in that way and what it said about them, and and how exciting it was. And again, actually, at award ceremonies as well, just what a brilliant dresser she was. Yeah. Have you seen? Amber Rufflin is her name, Amber Ruffin. She presents mm. like a late night talk show in America, like a satirical thing. And she's yeah. a black woman and she wears the most brilliant, really feminine twist on suits and tuxes to present it. It's brilliant. She looks stunning. I, and I, do you know what? I, I, I'm getting a suit made at the moment because I have always wanted to wear a suit, but because I've got like, because I'm short with a big bum and big boobs, like I just look like, if I wear a suit, I look like I work the door in a regional nightclub and I'm the most like hard line answer there is you know when female answers are more hard I, I tell you what it would look like you know in America when they have those people on the plane that are, are supposed to be blending in but really they've got the gun and they take over if there's terrorism <laughs> that's what you'd look like like a policeman <laughs> dressing down and straight away you'd go there that's the person with a gun <laughs> I just look so like hench and authoritative mm. um, and I want to always look like feminine and glamorous so I'm getting a suit mate the, the girl who makes some costumes amazing but i'm looking at all those like really feminine shapes of like i guess the 70s so big flares and you know like cinched waist and like but it's because i just don't trust that there'll be one out there in the world and if i have a suit that's made for me i hope i'll feel nice in it if i don't it's a fucking waste of money but also that's the thing about looking at people who look amazing in clothes so i'd say actually like that that blake lively in that film she did they didn't just buy clothes for her and then put them on her the thing that you realize is that there's constant adjustment so you know sleeves get taken up waists get taken in or out hems go up and down so that the clothes end up fitting and looking brilliant on you and I think that's why the actual real life experience can sometimes be so disappointing 
even realizing the fiddly things they do they are model shoots when they take hems up and down or they pinch things in or they have all those like butterfly clips at the back holding a jacket in so you think oh that jacket's so fitted and tapered and you get it and you go oh no it's not it's awful it's just this flat flappy jacket um that's what I think people also have to remember being kind to ourselves is it's it's three people's jobs to kind of hone clothes Mm. to a person and if you're not a seamstress it's very difficult to do that for yourself yeah totally totally and also that that like I don't want to sound like someone who's like insane and massively out of touch but that's the thing that like my partner and I love going to charity shops and he'll find a suit jacket Mm. that he loves and now it's like the case of nine quid to take it somewhere to make sure it fits like yeah. he wants it to fit and not like an old man so there is a world in which mm. you can make this stuff work but again he's quite yes. thin so there's some thin privilege that comes with that in that um yeah yeah, yeah charity shops are a, a real treasure trove for people i don't know what the equivalent for men is but like under a size 10 yeah that they really can go in and find stuff um yeah and that and there isn't there isn't as much anything bigger than that um, especially the- not plus size no, the the brilliant um mm. comic Barbara Nice. I don't know if you've ever seen Barbara Nice. She's brilliant. Yeah, I she's love got her. a great uh she talks about what she's wearing on stage and she goes, Hey, isn't it lovely when somebody just your size dies? <laughs> and <she> <laughs> 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 I think about that every time I'm in a charity shop and I mm. find a load of stuff I like. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> right. Is there an item of clothing, whether it's like a, a th- an item or a thing mm. that you have specifically that you put on and you instantly feel great so is it like jogging bottoms or is it like this shirt specifically oh um i bought a cardigan the other day and it's so amazing that i don't think i'm ever not going to feel really special and i wore it around to my friend dolly's house it's the first time i wore it and then I, I wasn't making a big deal out of it. I just walked into her house and she was like, oh, where did you get that from? And I was like, yep, this is going to happen every time I wear it. Um, do you want to see it? I'd I know it's a podcast, it. so I'm just showing to you. No, no, no. Because yeah, we, um, we might get you to send a picture that we can use when it goes out. So yes, we can... that's what we'll do. I'll, I'll send you a picture. <laughs> oh, so wow. The, re- the, re- the reason I love it before I bring it up properly is because it's the epitome of everything I like it's a big old secondhand depop woolly cardigan it's got animals on it I'll show you um, <gasps> so can you see there's little there's deer there's fish yeah. in the river and it's the same and it's and it's so nice that's the back and it's got trees and then that's the front so it just buttons up so you can wear that layered if it's cold or under a jacket or just with a white t-shirt it's so beautiful and I looked at it and I thought that's the best thing I ever saw. And what I do is I put things in my basket. And if I'm still looking back at the basket, then I get it a week <laughs> later. And it's little foxes and little deer. It's really in nice. The countryside. And it is and that kind then, of like yeah. grown up childlike stuff that I exactly. kind of associate with you. Yeah. Yeah, that's exactly my aesthetic, isn't it? And then the other day I saw a six year old actually who had the best jumper I've seen for a long time apart from that one and her dog was playing with my dog but they were adults and I really wanted to say like oh where's that jumper from that that child is wearing <laughs> because that's pretty much what I'm looking for in life I didn't because I thought it looked it looks people are so funny about you kind of complimenting their children like hey your kid looks sexy where can I get an outfit like that <laughs> I uh, I was thinking about when did I it's a couple of I think it was for Guessable and you were wearing this incredible, it was really sparkly with lots of layers dress with a sparkly cardigan over the top of it and some amazing shoes. And I was just, I couldn't take my eyes off you because I was like, it's every, 
every item is fun and every item is mm. saying something and it like i guess from like conventionality y- you wouldn't put them all together but because you think it'd be a cacophony but actually it makes a choir when they're all together they're all singing mm. the same thing and it's so fun and and yeah i just i obviously i just love what you were and i just again i just i think there's Aww. such a sense of fun um and and also i guess do you feel like it helps your persona because your persona is a is like is a, a it's super smart and the things you talk about are, are i think heavy and smart but with such a lightness and a deftness and a playfulness that it's really palatable does it mm. do you do you do you think about the relationship between what you wear and what you talk about I do. I think by not because of what I'm talking about. I think it's because of. So there was something Milton Jones said that really stuck with me when I was still at a phase where I was trying to work out what to wear to gigs, especially weekend gigs that really scared me. So going to a place like the Glee that might have 300 people in there who hadn't heard of you and you're just the middle act or you're just the opening act. Um, I really struggled about what to wear because it was nighttime. They were dressed up. And I'd read Steve Martin's book, which said that you should, all, even if you're talking on stage about your life being terrible, the audience, you should always look like your life is going really well, which is where he wore that incredible suit. Um, like, don't come on stage looking like a down and out, even if you're going to talk about being like a down and out. So I'd really absorbed that, but didn't know what that version was for me. And then Milton Jones, obviously, and if your listeners don't know, they, he wears a very bright Hawaiian shirts and he makes his big quiff. And, and, and Harry Hill will be another example of this. You exaggerate something because you're not trying to look like them. So actually, when Milton Jones's outfit says clown, and it's his clown, it doesn't look like clowns, it's not um, like a circus clown, but it does say, I'm not like you. And that's what I realised about being dressed in brighter things. That thing that you just said then, it's quite interesting about like wearing stuff together. For me, all it says is fearless. I'm not trying to... I'm not trying to be in a business meeting. I'm not trying to be a door-to-door salesman. I am supposed to look like a slightly bigger version than what I would wear if I was going to the pub. That's what I think it is. And doing it, not necessarily confident, but it does make me say, oh, I've shown that I don't care or I've shown that I'm brave here. So I think there is an element where it just makes me feel slightly more confident at work. And then that's what's interesting is that with new material gigs and things, I would be very, very dressed down to really go, oh, I'm not in my drag this is this is this is me just you can just listen to what I'm saying I'm not I'm not thinking about performance yet we're just doing the the words interesting oh that's Mm. so interesting yeah I hadn't thought about that for that's such a good tip for new material to to visually go this ain't the proper thing (laughs) like we're not you're not seeing a set you're not seeing a show this isn't a show (laughs) this is this is the this is the the first day of rehearsal where everyone's got their scripts in their hands (laughs) and then you can have a conversation about it afterwards that's great You're saying you buy stuff on Debop, which you've recommended to me, mm. and I just can't. I can't. I can't, you couldn't get into it. I can't yeah. get into it. I'm quite good at Etsy now. I find some good stuff on there. Oh yeah. And I live for eBay, so I think. You- well, but no, but that's it. It's all the same stuff. You've just found it on different websites. The people who advertise will always be on all three. Oh great. Okay. Yes. Thank yeah. God. Um. So you buy mm. lots of secondhand stuff anyway. But do you? What is your relationship with charity shops? Do you ever go for a dig through those? Yeah, I do. I do. And I think what I really always live for is, um, I mean, you you can, that's why I would compare it to Depop is that you wouldn't ever stop going in because what keeps you going is the times where it's just incredible. It's just such kismet when it's something that you've always wanted, but you didn't know until you saw it now, or you have always been looking for and there it's there. And then you think it won't be my size. It won't be my size. And then it is. And it's not, 
it's not like other shopping where you can go oh can you see if you've got any size eights out the back yeah <laughs> or have you got these one up like it's it just has it works or it doesn't and so they're the really fun to root around in and then um when you find something that you either wear all the time or love so much it's really 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 brilliant and um, my husband had never been in um charity shops until a couple of years ago we went to Brighton and we went to Oxfam because we were both too cold so we had to get a jumper and a coat and he bought a Gucci wool coat in grey for about sort of 50 quid and it, he just couldn't believe that England did this like oh my god and, it, and he looks so handsome in it and it's so fantastic I mean it's just such a fantastic and fits him so perfectly and I was like that's the that's the joy that's the joy of charity shops I was going to ask you what the best thing you've ever bought from one is, but it sounds like it's being mm. stood next to someone buying a Gucci coat that fits them for fifty quid. <laughs> I, I know I got I got real bad jealousy because it's years ago. I've I've but that day I was really like, oh, <laughs> Steen in that Gucci coat, get get a room, guys. <laughs> <laughs> I would have seen my especially because he didn't know what they were. Like you brought him to that experience. It's quite rude mm. for him to sort of like hit the ground running with it. Yeah, I think I would have carried yes. that with me all day. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, any charity shop favourites, though, for you? I've got a cardigan that's not that dissimilar to the one I just showed you, but it's a, a kind of, um, it's an acrylic, but it's a argyle pattern that I wear all the time. And actually that goes with everything. It goes with absolutely everything. And the buttons fell off, and so I replaced them with bright green buttons. And it now looks even better. It's like different colour greens. Oh, it's so good. I really, really love that as a charity shop. I've got some really good charity shop cardigans. I am, um, I love a... Uh, a replacing a button does is such a great botox for stuff you've had for ages that you can okay well we've had an Etsy conversation so i'll tell you my true secret i get buttons in shapes of things do you have any of these so for instance um i've got a whole jesus nativity scene on one shirt that starts off with lambs on the cuffs it's got the baby jesus a shepherd with a stalk and then some stars oh here's one of the here's one of the shepherds look that's a shepherd with a crook. That's a button. Oh my god! Yeah. So, um, <laughs> and uh, but my best ones. These are my best ones, which I've not put anywhere yet. Um, oh, that's one's holding a lamb. Um, I'm gonna find it for you. Um, oh, look at that little shepherd holding a lamb. That's really cute. You see, it's so sweet. And um, these ones are all stationary school things. And my favourite thing, apart from buttons, is stationary. Look at this exercise book button oh my gosh that is that is a pencil yeah <laughs> these are on etsy and, this, and also this is sharpener so if you go on etsy <laughs> i would say to people not only get into changing buttons or like replacing when they come off but you can then have like different ones on your cuffs they're just for you that's some maths that's on a button so lovely that that's all the subjects you'll be doing at school on your buttons <laughs> Um, so, so that's my top tip, actually. For and then even if other people don't notice, it will just make something so plain really special to you. Yeah, I um I bought I had like from a charity shop a navy blue button up dress from H and M, and I took the buttons off and replaced them with big white. Oh, look at the calculator! Um, Isn't it good? I replaced them with giant pairs of white scissors, and then everyone was like, "Where's that dress from? Where's that dress from?" And they didn't yeah. mean the dress; they meant the buttons. Um, buttons. Yeah, but you can make something. I think really, and that is. I, I don't want to sound like, you know, Trini and Susanna or, you know, someone mm. giving lame advice, but changing the buttons is a really easy job and it can make something look like it's not from, you know, just old yeah. anywhere. And it's such it's such basic craft wear, but to me, when that's actually the only sewing I can really do, 
that's the thing that makes me feel like oh I'm just tilling the lambs just so you know like, it makes me feel so rooted and like just um, like I, I fending for myself like I, it's so weird it's just changing buttons but to me it's like oh don't interrupt me I'm doing my darning <laughs> <laughs> oh that this is the other thing I like is iron iron on um iron on fellas like um these are <gasps> little dogs you. that I'm showing you but these are so easy and that's such a good thing you can do on a cardigan or, or old skirts or on things that have got stains like I had stains on a jumper and then I got loads of little tiny bees and now it's just got like a flock of bees on it on all of the on all of the coffee stains oh great again great dirty girl tip <laughs> and also things on Etsy that you can buy for £5 or £4 when you can't really shop at the moment I think that's sometimes a way of tricking your brain to go I don't need to spend lots of money I just need to have something coming in the post that I'm excited about yeah I have I've gone through a stage now of getting is there any next to me mm, not right now where's that oh god where's that gone but um so I, I bought from when I was shopping at ASOS, um, I got a, a leotard, black leotard of just a vest, but it's got really long black fringing that hangs from it. So it's really flattering and it's fun. So because I wear loads mm. of uh, black plain stuff on with exciting stuff over the top. So immediately you've got fun on your plain black stuff. So then mm. I went mad and bought loads of gold and black fringing and was like, I'm going to sew it on everything. I'm going to put, and then obviously never yeah. have. Um, but my dream is to, to put some fringing on stuff. And also you can buy big sequin patches for not much money and that feels Mm. slightly more ethical than you know like and then you can whack them on a plain t-shirt and suddenly you've got a very jazzy t-shirt um but yeah that's good it's all in a big pile that i doubt i'll ever get to one day i'll have a crafty day um but yeah what what happens is i just sew um buttons back on my partner shirts and then forget to do my stuff anyway and hey i think i think i can hear a prank coming (laughs) next time your button falls off just do some fringing (laughs) (laughs) so he's like (laughs) he doesn't know just put it back in the wardrobe don't even mention it until he gets it out to wear and he's like (laughs) like a a summer festival swinging his arms around he would love that he's got one of his favorite yeah. T-shirts I, I bought him is from it's a kids brand called Zilla Kids, but they make adult stuff. Oh, I know Zilla Kids. Yeah, yeah, they've got he's got like a big pink lame heart, and around the edging is pink fringing, and he absolutely loves it. Mm. He loves a fringe, that lad. Do you see your style changing as you get older? Do you think that you'll lose the the colours or the textures? Do you think it'll mm. be? Or do you think you'll get even like more flamboyant? I, I hope I would become more colourful and flamboyant. I think um, I, I, all of the things that people feel pressure about dressing, I don't actually have. But there is a thing with women where they think that there's a certain point where they're supposed to show less skin or dress, I guess, less uh, more austerely or something like that. Whereas I don't think that would ever be my style. I don't think. I think so. I I hope it. I hope I just. You know, if I have kids, I really hope they're embarrassed at the school gates every day. Like, I really want that. Um, Yeah, and in terms of being older, I think I I don't want to be invisible ever. And also, hopefully, I'll always be doing my job. So I'll always get to wear fun stuff for work. So I hope it doesn't change. Mm. One of the things I loved about, well, many things I loved about your sitcom, but you and, and... Catherine's as well is I was excited to see what you were wearing every episode is that something you were conscious of when you were making it 
well actually more than even making it when I knew we were commissioned I started buying clothes for the show so some of the stuff I bought I knew was too big for me in real life especially because so we had this Alice in Wonderland theme and then um we had the fact that she's a child she dresses like a child and I wanted to the, the, the palette to be very bright so uh so in advance I started buying things that I couldn't justify buying for myself but I would buy because I knew it was going to be on screen in the show. So it was in my head for the, you know, the 11 months in advance. I had this suitcase full of things, which is, that's what, that's what actress pretend Sarah's going to wear. <laughs> and it just happens that you get to keep them afterwards as well. <laughs> I do have to keep them. Here. I did, I did something where actually I instantly regretted where, and you know, you know, you must get this, like this mum contacted me and said she'd looked everywhere for this cardigan. It's from the first episode. Now it's Lazy Oaf. I bought it three times the price on Depop because I loved it so much. It's Snoopy and it's got, and she basically said, I've looked for it everywhere, but the only ones on sale are really, really expensive. Where did you get yours? And, um, and she said, oh, my daughter's a teenager having a terrible time. And I thought, I can't reply to you going, well, I paid 300 pounds for it. Like every, like the ones on Depop, like, I can't tell you that's what I did. So I just said, oh, I'll send it to you. And then she was like, are you sure I'll give you money? It's like, I don't want your money. I've worn it in my program. I'll just send it to you. Anyway, I did. The daughter was so embarrassed. My mom, she was like, why did my mum tell you to send me a cardigan? <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> because I think then I, I then looked weird. Like what kind of person just sends their clothes but actually, a time like that, especially when I know she can't get it, when someone says, where did you get it? And I know you're not going to ever find this for a reasonable price. Like, they didn't make enough of them. And it's one of those things. It's just easier, especially if I am not, if I don't need it anymore, just to send it. And, yeah, and the 16-year-old girl's like, I've been told to write you a thank you letter. I don't know why you sent me your clothes. That's like, so in, funny. <laughs> and that's obviously isn't like, it? it's so funny that the mum went... I'll send a thank you letter and she's like yeah I will and then she's like and I'm going to make it clear to this woman when you're not yes. watching that was fucking yeah. weird I wanted to, <laughs> yeah because she probably isn't the kind of person that would ever want anything second hand or anything like that she'd just be like oh like okay great <laughs> yeah <laughs> I love as well there's a bit um, I think it, it's maybe the first or second episode but you um, and your screen mum, screen sister are all in those burnt soul leotards. Oh, yes, and yeah. And it's so joyous as well of seeing, like... Uh, uh, this is, might sound patronising, but how mm. amazing your screen mum looked in a leotard. Because yes. you don't see women of that yeah. age wearing really fun, like, leotards. Mm. It was just great to see. Yeah. But she's got a kick in bod. That's the thing about Juliet Stevenson. She's, yeah. she's absolutely got it going on in every way. So it also wasn't a thing of me saying to an actress who wasn't going to feel comfortable because they looked super, super brilliant. Because also I, the reason I love those burnt soul catsuits is they are so flattering on every single body shape. And actually, that's what I love about people wearing them at festivals or Instagram and everything is that um, I think they make they make the best of everyone where they come in, the bits that they show. Mm. Um they're really fantastic and that's another thing actually writing the first episode I knew I knew what I'd already bought it drunk I had that burnt soul thing in my house I think I bought it to wear at latitude and just did, didn't have the confidence so I wrote it in and then yeah then my costume lady I was like they'll, they'll probably lend you another couple just ask burnt soul tell them <laughs> get another couple of those because <laughs> you're right they've got those chevrons which they have which, yeah so it, it brings it and it's all around the waist so because mm. what everyone's going for is a, is a smaller waist yes. it does all that work for you no matter what size that's it Rachel Fairburn wears them I've well. seen she's got the tiger print one hasn't she with the black and the black mesh it looks just stunning I swear yeah. it's because the thing about um this the waist is it's relative so it's not about having a waist smaller than 
everyone in the world it's about having a, a waist that's smaller than your hips and that's why those suits just make everyone go in and out very clever yeah very yeah. clever um is there an item of clothing that you can always see yourself wearing i think i hope lots of my clothes that i have now I mean, I think the cardigan with the the fish and the deer on it, I think I'm going to have for absolutely forever. (laughs) I think with dressed up clothes, I think the trouble is you wear something a few times, especially if you wear it on TV once or twice. And then it kind of what I hope is that they'll come out of rotation again in a few years. And if I haven't worn them on something because they repeat TV shows so much, it's hard to wear the same thing on like the Dave TV channel. I could end up wearing the same top in three shows in a row because they could do like a QI extra large yeah. after a mock the week after a comedian's giving lectures or something. So it can, because I don't like the idea that you can't wear something more than once, but you definitely aren't allowed to wear it on everything. <laughs> I, want, I want, actually, that would be an interesting experiment to see when would someone intervene if I wore the same dress on everything? At what point would they go, um, can you tell her not to wear the same dress again? I'm like, it doesn't strobe. It has no logo on it. What's your problem with the dress? <laughs> Um, are there any trends that you're hoping well this is the thing you don't really do trends Mm. but are there any you're hoping just for the world don't come back oh don't come back I was going to say the one that I really liked is that when um, I think it was Victoria Beckham who put cats on shirts and then that mutated and lots and lots of people did animal patterns and I was so into that I don't know if Victoria Beckham did it first but that was the first time I saw it and then I then have got lots and lots of different animal shirts and that was really exciting animals on stuff um don't come back no because actually if they make someone happy i don't i don't care i think um the very very heroin chic thing that was going on and i know that there's never a good thing but i think that was so unhealthy the celebration of people who were so skinny they were sick or there was any idea you could do that in a healthy way that wasn't self-destructive mm. um what's interesting about the chloe kardashian thing that's going on mm. a lot of the discussion at the moment is even people who look like the Kardashians are very unhappy about things that depict them in a certain way because that can be um, it's not a reflection of being thin or not being big or you know having spots or you know being, it's, it's an irrational thing we all contain inside us that here's a good version of us we're getting away with it and here's a bad version of us um, that we're trying to hide from people and um, that that the very, very, very skinny thing that was going on when I was in my late teens made people who were my size think they were obese mm. and, it, and, and it was so damaging. And then what happens is those people then call themselves fat all the time and then which then gives other people, which basically tells the entire world around them, if I'm fat, then you're all fat. Mm. We're all fat. Like, um, and I think that's what happened. So I really hope that doesn't happen. I, I really hope that people get used to and start really enjoying looking at different different shapes and sizes bodies in clothes yeah because also when people are using that uh, the, if you know that the the term fat then it was it was so in as it still is it uh, intrinsically linked to unhealthy and lazy and undesirable yeah. and all that kind of stuff that we're only just yeah. starting to potentially look at unpicking as well so yeah mm. it was a really really unhealthy time well, well doing this your book animal it was so i remember I, I read it in the in the first lockdown. I know that's way too late. I should have read it earlier. Um, but one of the things that struck me, because w- w- the way and in this conversation you talk about your body was so, like, dumbfounding to me because I'm like, but you're the, you're you're in the case that everybody mm. wants. And then I was... And then that's when I have to remind myself. I'm like, but there'll be people who look at me and, and everything I put my body through and everything I say I don't like about it and get cross at. And 
I'm someone's target weight. That's what you have to remember. Everybody is someone yes, else's yeah. target weight. And that's yeah. that's when you realise. And there was a, a great thing the other day that I saw that was like, you know, when you look at pictures of yourself when you're a teenager and you're obsessed with how fat you were. And it was something like that shows mm. it was nothing to do with your body and it was all to do with your mind. So, But it's that conversation never stops happening, I don't think. Oh, it's nice that you ended it that way because my thing was always, oh, because you've carried on getting fatter and older. <laughs> yeah, well, <laughs> there is that as well. <laughs> trouble is you're always looking back at someone who's thinner than you are now. And it's like, oh, my God, <laughs> I, thought, I thought that was fat. Um, I know that these, even using these words are joking about it. I know for some people it's so, so difficult to listen to because it sends them into a spiral. So I'm so conscious of it. I got a message the other day that I really liked that was from a woman who's bigger than me um as what she was describing i will that's not a judgment on her photos but um, she said that she hadn't realized that women that are my size go through the same stuff as her so she was saying oh it was a really nice thing to go oh you freak out about those things and i hadn't realized i think she had thought people were just happy or easy or didn't have that element of their life but i've also and and actually i've only learned this recently after doing my sitcom is that there's still privilege within it so in my sitcom i got um I, I wore padded suits in the second episode and it wasn't a fat suit because I do know, the stupid thing is I do know that fat suits are incredibly upsetting and offensive to, to people. And um, this wasn't, it was like um, different bits of padding that got taken off and it was all about dysmorphia. That's what I thought I was showing. It's like, well, this is dysmorphic and this is how bad we feel about ourselves. And when we feel bad, we think we look a certain way. And then um, I upset some people who wouldn't have expected someone like me to be so thoughtless about them. And um, and then what I realised was, because I was explaining to this woman, like, it wasn't a fat suit and it was this and it was that. And eventually she said, you put on a padding to have a body that looked like mine. like And I was like, oh, I've, it took me so long to hear what she was saying and then realise, oh, my gosh, <laughs> like, um, like uh, it isn't about whether the suit's made or whether there's a punchline in it or you're being flippant. The idea of someone small putting themselves into someone's biggest suit and then going, oh, this is how I feel when I'm on a bad day is really it was really insensitive even though I thought at the time I was expressing something more universal if that makes sense so I'm really aware within it and I hate it I mean I really really don't do it with stand-up but listening to women slag themselves off you do have to internalize it because you shouldn't do it in front of other people and you shouldn't especially in front of children which is what the 80s was women calling themselves pigs if they had some prawn prawns (laughs) Um, we just heard women all the time going, oh, I shouldn't, not allowed, oh, I've been naughty. Oh, yeah. Had an avocado. <laughs> yeah, all of that. And, and unfortunately, unfortunately, we just absorbed all of it and now it's a battle not to spread more poison to other people. Yeah, it happens. Yeah, you're right. It, a battle is the right word because you, it's so normalised culturally that it cut, it's a second language that you're fluent in and you didn't even realise. So it's so hard to suddenly like change gear and, and to... to yeah outwardly and inwardly as well like sometimes I just have to have the conversation with my partner where he is just listening and I'm like beating myself about my weight and I'm like but but I always put on weight in winter and I always lose it in summer naturally because I move more and I and I you know I eat salads and stuff like that and then he's Mm. he's just sort of really quiet and I'm like I do this every year don't I and he's like yeah but if you just need to say it out loud that's that's fine But yes. yeah, it's how you reassure yourself. Um, I get um, really jealous, actually, of people who are or, or seem to express absolute being fine. As in, so it's not about what size they are. It's not like I look at beautiful people and go, oh, of course, you're fine. You're beautiful or beautiful to a certain standards. It doesn't what I'm trying to say. is, But so the body positivity movement are obviously people who 
have have experienced societal oppression based on what they look like mm. and their love for themselves and their acceptance i look the reason i get angry with myself about it is like why can i not care <laughs> why can't i just go if other people are managing to get to a point where it really is love and acceptance what am i clinging on to what do i think will happen if i just do that as well i think um, lena dunham's doing some stuff with the fashion label and she's writing really lovely long posts about her body changing and acceptance and things and I literally read it going oh my god you lucky cow like if you've just reached that epiphany with it like because all of the headspace that's wasted and all of that like you say even if it's just once a year that you have a seasonal like oh this back again Mm. uh, about the attitude like I I don't know what kind of growth you have to do one has to do to get to somewhere you go yeah oh no I don't care yeah now I'm like I can't fit in those trousers I'll put some bigger ones on. Yeah. Oh, the bigger ones are too baggy. I'll put on some little ones without that all having emotions attached to it. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I'm still, I wish I was, but I'm I'm definitely not there with it yet. I still have like, I feel like I'm at war with my body as opposed to just existing in it. But I'm, yeah, fucking, it's exhausting. Yeah, it is. Because I think a war is an interesting thing because I feel like a prisoner because I feel like a disembodied voice. This is so rude about my body as well, which is like the lit- literally the thing that gives me all of my pleasures and carries me around the world. But um, I feel like I'm a, a disembodied voice that's been stolen. It's like, nah, we'll cast you into this meat and there you are imprisoned. And that because, because and that's what dysmorphia or disassociation does. It makes you think so, you, it's others something. So you go, it's a physical thing I'm stuck inside rather than, oh no, it's actually you. Like that's the journey of looking at it as yourself, um, which I find so, so odd. Yeah, it's so, it's so interesting. And I feel like for women in particular, uh, you know, uh, and people who've been raised as a woman, it feels like a universal thing I've, I've yet to meet mm. anyone my age who was socialized female or is a female or a woman mm. um who doesn't ha- have this conversation at all or had to unlearn something yeah. at least so but i fucking hope the next generation doesn't have it yeah i hope i mean it's, it was interesting because of photographs and them being online now it'll be interesting to see how that what that becomes mm. if it's worse or better because i think the attitudes have really improved but the physical thing of taking your pictures of yourself constantly, which is what people now do on a daily basis. Does that make you more self-accepting or do, does it make you even even less, even less connected to reality of it? Mm. If you think that the picture with a filter and a good light is you, what you're supposed to look like, then the rest of your life will disappoint you. Every time you look in the mirror or see an unedited photo, which is what the Chloe Kardashian thing is, you'll go, well, that's not me. Yeah. I can only be on my best day. And that's where I think people find ageing really hard. My, because, you know, yeah. it's a reality and it happens. Yeah. And, and um, yeah. Uh, totally. My mum, there were no, there's no mirrors in the house. Mm. She had them, like, taken down in the bathroom because she said... I can't deal with looking back, uh, looking in the mirror and seeing an old woman looking back. And it's like, oh. Yeah. <laughs> but have you thought that maybe your mum's house is haunted? Wouldn't it be funny if actually it actually was a ghost <laughs> like reaching out a hand and she's like, I just don't want to see the old woman in the bathroom. It's, it's so haunting. scary. <laughs> it's haunting as saying, you should have called Kiri fat so much when she was growing up. <laughs> yeah, it literally. It's literally going, and now it's your turn. <laughs> <laughs> um, well, this brings us on uh, nicely to the final question, which is, um, what would you like to be buried in? 
or cremated in oh that's very fun isn't it that's a very fun idea um i've bought this dress from um do you know larika matoshi no i I might not be pronouncing that right it's a dress that you'll have seen on instagram because um everyone wanted it and then amazon did a copy that you can get very very cheap which obviously is not yeah no so it's the strawberry one but it's the hearts one so i've got the 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 original strawberry one is the copy dress and I can't fit into it actually but I think if I was dead and lying down they could do the zip up and then I could get buried in it (laughs) I I think it's for me for me I legitimized it as I thought oh it's a chat show dress like I will get to do something like Graham Norton or Jonathan Ross again in the future at some point and then I'll wear that dress but if I was dead even better (laughs) 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 yeah I just think just relaxed I'll be so flat and relaxed I think yeah it will fit me great that's um that dress is spectacular Mm. so it's really again it's that very childish it looks like a a little girl's dress but it's for a big girl that's what I like about it for a big dirty girl very much like a kid's a a big big dirty girl um (laughs) Yeah, it's very much a kids' party dress. That's what it is. Yeah, lots of like flounce and and also I've seen someone the the rip off of it, but I've seen someone mm. who is plus size in it, and it does look good on everyone. Honey, Honey Kinney has it. I don't know if that's, that's what you're talking that's about. That's what I'm talking about. Um, yeah, she looks. I mean, she's obviously a very very attractive, brilliant woman in lots of ways. Um, but um her getting it and looking so brilliant in it she was one of the things where I was just like oh my god this dress this dress it, it was very aspirational for me wanting to get it I was seeing Honey Kinney in it um and yeah she looks brilliant in lots of things do you know that the Daily Mail so she's always on the sidebar of the Daily Mail now they're just with her Instagram so they don't even have a comment they just basically it's because she wears revealing clothes they'll just be like Jonathan Ross's daughter in a thong yeah and that's it they're not like they're not they, they don't seem to be leading judgment which is obviously what their comments are for and i don't obviously i haven't gone in it but i just thought oh that's interesting that she, because because she's wearing revealing clothes yeah. she, sorry that's my dog gagging um yeah. I, I know it's a disgusting culture at the daily <laughs> okay but yeah so she kind of does their work for them because what they like is, is half-dressed women wow. so it's really great as well yeah because she's stunning of representation and like- yeah absolutely stunning yeah, her um, her like the stuff she posts on Insta- Instagram. She's so like, uh, body positive, and I don't mean that in that weird way that people say, "Well, you're no. body positive because you're a plus size person who exists." I mean mm. that she's in underwear and like you are just like got it all out, and she always looks stunning. So I guess yeah, it's the perfect storm for them, isn't it? It's like naked woman plus size. So there's some that'll rile up the comments and Jonathan Ross. It's like mm. all the things coming together. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I think I think she's really, really cool. But that's what I think about everything that she thinks. So when she'll write a post that will have a very wise, informative, positive message, I'll be like, well, of course, because you're so cool. So you just thought that already. You've already she's so young and she's already done all of this work and just yeah. knows it already. Yeah. Yeah. I think, um, well, I, do, I, I think her mum is incredible and that must be part mm. of it, right? Having, like, a mum yeah. who seems like she is... 20 years ahead in terms of thinking to to most mums um that's what all yeah. every our generation's kids will be like hopefully if we manage to get rid of the yeah. bullshit baggage we were brought up with um <laughs> thank you so much sarah oh no it's been lovely it was so lovely to talk to you i'm sorry if i went off on tangents and things but and showed you buttons i was just excited about my <laughs> buttons so that was sarah pasco buttons who knew 
all you crafters are screaming at your phones now. Me, I knew, that's why I've been changing buttons on everything for ages. Do you know what, Sarah has sent me some exquisite pictures of the buttons that she has customised things with. So if you head over to our Instagram, you can have a little nose at those this week. We'll be whacking them up. Uh, we are at Who Are You Wearing Pod on Instagram. Also, we absolutely love chatting to you guys on there. Um, so do say hello. We have had some lovely messages this week. Um, thanks to Heather who emailed us. Uh, now, there's going to be content warning here because I'm about to read compliments about myself out loud. So if that gives you the ick, please bail now. <laughs> Fast forward about 30 seconds to a minute. So Heather says, Kiri, Kiri, Kiri. I always love it if someone starts an email with my first name three times. She says, you are just magnificent. I am living for this podcast. Thank you so much for sharing such amazing, wonderful stories through fashion and beyond absolutely loved Shay's episode and I cannot tell you how much his relationship with fashion and mental health resonates with me. I've since interrogated some of my own behaviours with fashion and clothes so as Shay said some of these things are more powerful than just feeling nice. I'm telling everyone who will listen to go and check the podcast out because it's utterly brilliant. I've taken so much comfort from it and I can't wait to hear more. Big love always you legend Heather. That is such a nice message and we got Heather's permission to read that out loud in case you're like, guys, you're reading out Heather's diary entry there. And so thank you so much for that message. Do you know what? We've had loads of messages about um, Shay's episode. Actually, every episode seems to really resonate with people in different ways, which is what I wanted from it and is why I'm so excited about some of the episodes we've got coming up um, with people who are activists, non-binary people, um, plus-size people, uh, you know, just really interesting conversations about how everything someone is intersects with fashion and clothes and style in ways that you, some ways you'd expect, but some ways that are completely unexpected. So guys, keep listening. We've got some good stuff to go. <laughs> now, something I love doing with this podcast is scouting out small businesses to sing about. And some of them work perfectly with the guests that we have on so this is not so much of a small business as it is a small charity because we already mentioned it in the episode anyway it is salvage project now lauren runs it all from her house she's an absolute superwoman she takes your secondhand good quality clothes and then she sells them on her instagram page and raises money for specific small charities dedicated to supporting refugees she's so empathetic and politically aware i'm just absolutely in awe of her and her expert knowledge around the refugee crisis allows her to sort of pinpoint the best places to send the money she's raising at the best times. So all the clothes on there are secondhand as well. So it's close to guilt-free shopping as you can get. And as Sarah mentioned, she and Ashling send their telly clothes there once they're done too. So you can get some real bargains. Plus whatever sequin fever dream that I no longer fit into. That's also where I send those. Go and follow Salvage Project on Instagram and keep an eye on her stories. I have got some belting bits from her over the years. Thank you so much for listening, for chatting to us on Instagram and for being lovely in your reviews of the show. This podcast is growing and growing. Um, and it's just a really small team behind it and we really love it and it's just so nice that you guys are getting behind it as well next week I'm going to be chatting to another brilliant comedian it is the ludicrously well turned out Darren Harriet. so see you then
Annie Waring is produced by Joe Southard, the artwork is by Mario Phillips, and the music is by Annie Glass. This has been a Little Wonder production.